These are difficult times. It's winter and the pandemic continues to affect our lives every single day. And because we know this prolonged, increased isolation makes it harder to get sober and stay sober, Recovery Centers of America wants you to know that they remain open and ready to help. Recovery Centers of America is a drug and alcohol addiction treatment leader with detoxification and residential treatment centers across the East Coast and Midwest. RCA's expert team of medical professionals will customize a treatment program that works for you to help you overcome your addiction and begin a life in recovery. RCA always answers the phone and admits patients 24-7, 365. And because safety is a top priority, COVID-19 protocols, including pre-screening measures and testing, are in place to keep you safe. Don't wait. Call today. Dial 855-605-2655. 855-605-2655. For all you foodies out there, I'm unwrapping a McDonald's steak, egg, and cheese bagel. Ooh, look at this steak. And the juice running down the side. Got a little bit on the wrapper here. Mmm. And then the fluffy egg and real cheese folded over the side looking just so good. Mm-mm. Grilled onions and a butter bagel, too. Thumbs up for McDonald's steak, egg, and cheese bagel for breakfast. Love it. Mm. Ba, 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 ba. I participate in McDonald's. up everybody i'm kayla and i'm micah and we'd like, like to, to welcome, welcome you to this life together. together that's t-w-o together i don't know what's up with the the earrings <laughs> that's a foreshadow we seen us mm-hmm. get out now if you have not seen captain marvel or us this this ain't for you you're gonna want to roll out spoiler alert spoiler episode. alert just go rewatch like one of our previous episodes because we about to get into this review or just wait till next thursday or that or go see the movies and then watch it later. Yeah. You got options. Might as well. And don't forget to like, subscribe, leave a comment, leave a review. Hit us up. Okay, let's get into this. What are we going to do first? We're going to do Captain Marvel? Um, Yeah, let's do Captain Marvel first since we saw Captain Marvel first. So I just want to say, Caleb and I was... Uh, Thoroughly. Yeah, we, we, we were real uh, extra thirsty to see Captain Marvel at the CND Avengers. And I guess we had to kind of chat... A little bit about that too. So we got our tickets all early to see it the day that it came out. Not on Friday, but on Thursday. Because mm. we was Thursday. On a work night. Absolutely. Stayed up extra late. Had a weird encounter at Texas Roadhouse Not and gonna, everything. Are we going to talk about that? Because I feel like we, that. We should. I honestly feel like that actually went over into my review of the movie. Because I had a, dis, <laughs> I had a distaste. What? I had a distaste for the whole night. <laughs> Somebody tried to ruin date night. And I was just like, yeah. yo, so certain situations, fellas, is kind of like, <laughs> you want to be protective of your significant other, but certain situations just cause for you to break the third wall on reality and just look at the nearest wall and just try to figure out if it's a hidden camera somewhere. I'm not going to say anything until this story is told from the perspective of Micah. So I'm going to let her take it away from here because this was your firsthand experience. I was bypassed. What? You were sitting right next to me. But I was I was not included in the story, if you know you what I mean. You were included, and it was real awkward. 
Okay. It, it was just real. You got to tell the story. So, Caleb and I go to Texas Roadhouse like once a week. It's not that often, but the barbecue sauce. I swear sauce, it's like once a week. The barbecue sauce, bang. It's not once a week. It's not. If I can name three of the servers by name and they know us by name and face, we go there pretty frequently. Just to paint y'all a picture. Neither here nor there. Um, we went to Texas Roadhouse because it was across from the movie theater that we had planned to see Captain Marvel at. And we strategically plan to have dinner right before and we never do call ahead seating at texas roadhouse and shout out to them because y'all really need to get reservations popping because it what, what's happening like 2019 and we still don't have reservations but we love y'all anyway so we never do call ahead seating and this day caleb was on my head like oh you should really do call ahead seating i'm like no the wait is never that long ladies listen to you man anywho we get there, last slapping, like outside the door, irregularly busy. I'm like, okay, so clearly all of these people had the same idea that we had, and they wanted to come to dinner before they saw the movie, which was the case. So we ended up getting a buzzer, and I think the wait was long, but we ended up sitting at the bar. So when we first sat at the bar, um, the seats that we got, a couple had just got up, and then like a couple next to them had just got up. So by the time we actually got to sit down, I would say... We're sitting in the corner seats on the right side of the bar, and then the whole actual right side of the bar was empty. And there was a young lady that was sitting on, like, the left corner of the bar that left right before we got seated. Like, me ain't paying her no mind. She left, whatever, cool, but she was by herself, so we couldn't take her seat. Um, we just happened to notice that she was getting up and she was alone. So we saw her leave, like, saw her leave. So I get up to go to the bathroom, you know, hygiene first, got to wash my hands. Caleb goes to wash his hands. It's taking the bartender a minute to get us like bread, get our drink orders because they pack. So I'll say we're sitting there for a good 20, 25 minutes. Old girl come back. So we look at each other like, huh, that's peculiar because she's been gone for quite some time now. So she get a new brew, gets another beer at the bar. She's sitting there and she comes and sits, of course, two seats over from me. Cause at this point it's really no other empty seats. Caleb's sitting here shaking his head right now. Um, there's really no other empty seats. So I'm sitting on the corner seat. Caleb is sitting to my left and she was just being real weird. So she ordered her beer and then she had like Apparently, some object in her hand that looked like chapstick, but she was snorting it. She was putting it in her nostril. That's I my only injection. I, I told Caleb it could have been some type of nasal spray or like the little things that you put up your nose, like Vicks makes them where you inhale if you're congested. I've actually used those before. So I don't know. I didn't see the girl doing this. What tripped me out was that she grabbed her beer and took it in the bathroom with her and just was gone for a minute, then came back. She sat back down at the bar and then she started up a conversation with us. So it gets weird because while she's starting up the conversation with us, which by the way, I'm fairly used to because like I said, strangers love me, but I love strangers. So I'm usually not off put by stranger conversation, but I am from the east side and I do have stranger danger radar. She was real weird. She was freaking me out. She was trying to touch my hands. I'm like, no, nah, I'm about to eat. She told us to follow her on YouTube and on Facebook because she was a rapper. She told me she got signed to CMB when she was 14 and she'd been rapping ever since. It was just a real weird downriver kind of situation that made me real uncomfortable. Like, if y'all seen the movie with 
Paula Patton and Omar Epps caught traffic. She reminded me of an old girl that dropped the tracker in Paula Patton's purse in the movie in the bathroom. Like when we got up from the table, I had to check my pockets. But to continue on with the story, she starts to make jokes asking me if I like my meat light or dark. But she was not talking about steak. Mm. Then she talked about how she was trying to hit on somebody at the bar. But then it was like old guys trying to hit on her. So she couldn't really get in where she fit in. And then she gets up again for like another 20 to 30 minutes. Yeah, we was in Texas Roadhouse for a while. And she's like, yeah, y'all save my seats. Don't let nobody take my seat. So she leaves. Long time gone again. She come back with all her stuff. Two dudes come and they're sitting in the seats like towards the farther end of the bar where those empty seats were. She come back and she scoot closer to them. And then I tell Kayla like, oh my God, I think this young lady is actually a prostitute. And then the older guy on the end of the bar started like offering her bread and started flirting with her by that time. I'm like, all right, check. Movie's getting ready to start. And we kind of just like, Hightailed it out of there. But Caleb is under the impression that people are out here trying to kidnap me. And I feel like this situation just made that even worse. I think you told that eloquently, and I have nothing to add. <laughs> so the, the movie already had sour <laughs> pretenses before we even got to the theater because Caleb was just like. I was shooken because I'm like, she, do I. It was just, do I kill her? It's too many. Oh, it's too many witnesses. No. We in Texas Row House. I like mm-hmm. their barbecue sauce. I'm not trying to waste hey, the trip. Jesse Smollett could get all his charges dropped. You might have could have got off. No, <laughs> that ain't the same. But to go past all of that, finally made it to the movie. Super hyped because Marvel just been doing the greatest job of all time, in my opinion. They probably got one of the best track records in terms of a series of films um especially over the time frame it's been what 10 years and they they have they have had hiccups but they've had enough wins that i don't i don't think that it's really tarnished their track record so we go in there with this high expectation of captain marvel they didn't show the bajillion uh trailers we didn't watch um a whole bunch of different like theories um, trying to figure out like what's gonna happen, what's gonna happen in regards to how everything's gonna pan out with Endgame. Like we just super excited to the point where we just couldn't wait. So that's why we bought the tickets early to go see it on Thursday. And I was I, usually when I'm, I'm we go to the movies, I'll look over at Micah to see like what her face is doing to see whether or not she actually really liked the movie, <laughs> or if she's like curious to what's going on, on the screen, if she like engaged. Then I just turn back. But I think when I turned to look at her face with Captain Marvel, I had a look of confusion on my face when I turned to her because I wanted to look to her <laughs> for confirmation as to if she was as confused as I was. She didn't even look at me, but her face was like grimaced at the screen. And I'm like, okay, clearly we're on the same page. But it was so early in the movie that I'm like, I'm not going to say nothing. I'm not going to tap her and say nothing because I didn't want to mess the rest of the movie up by basically trying to explain or try to call a movie from the beginning so long story short i feel like captain marvel was butt like (laughs) i'm not gonna sugarcoat it like i was thoroughly disappointed by that movie in my opinion she was whack they made her overly they made they just made everything it, it just worked too well not to say that she didn't have any 
anybody combating her and her quote unquote mission, but it was kind of like, okay, it was like blah. And I think it was real similar. If anybody saw Ant Man, I feel like it was like the first Ant Man, where it was like, why did I just watch that? And then the thing that made it even worse, it was like they tried to, and this is a fault for Marvel, in my opinion, that they have been doing for the last maybe two movies, where they've tried to make it overly quirky and whimsical by trying to throw throw in that Thor Ragnarok formula. Like That's been more than the last two. We've been on that road. Well, Gal- Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Well, then they might be like the initial blame. As yeah, it's Guardians fault. For but sure Thor Guardians. was way out there. Thor was way out there for Thor. That's what I mean. But Guardians was... We didn't know what to expect from Guardians anyway because we had never seen them. True. Well, no. I we The Guardians that we saw together was Guardians 2. I didn't see Guardians 1 until like way later when it was on like TV. Oh, wow. So I didn't even... Cause yeah. I had no interest in seeing that. I saw that in the movies and was super hype. And then yeah. I think ever since then, they just had people saying dumb stuff. They had Thor doing all types of weird stuff. And then they tried to, I feel like they tried to sprinkle that into Captain Marvel. And for her to be as one of the power, most powerful characters in the Marvel Universe, I feel like the movie was just blah. I think also like the big difference between Guardians and even Thor versus what I was feeling for Captain Marvel was that for those movies, it actually worked. And it's crazy that it worked so well for Thor Ragnarok because I actually thought that was a great movie. I literally just watched it again last night for no reason at all. Just like the movie. Even though I did like all of the Thors except for Dark World because who likes that? Thor 1 and 2 was trash. I liked the first Thor. It's just me. Mm. Um, I definitely liked the first Thor more than Captain America 1 because... Yeah, Yeah, that was terrible. I almost went to sleep on that in the movies. Um, But I think... It's problematic because for those movies that actually worked, and even for Thor, I think Chris Hemsworth pulled it off so well that it felt natural. Like, it didn't feel forced for his character to have these funny, quirky moments. And then for them to come together and have that same energy in Avengers um, Infinity War, it still blended very well. The problem that I had with Captain Marvel from the very beginning of the movie was there was so much exposition in the plot to like over explain stuff or to make stuff overly obvious to us that it was just annoying point and like my first point on that would be like when she wakes up from the little dream sequence that she has and she has the microchip implanted in the back of her neck but her hair is strategically pulled back to one side so we can see that she got this microchip in the back of her neck And then it's like all of the visions that she's having and the weird things that they're telling her. She can't remember nothing, but the stuff that she does remember doesn't seem to line up with anything that the Cree people have told her. I mean, it's just all really, really strange. And then also, when we get to the point in the movie where she finally meets up with Fury, this is, for me, kind of when the movie just goes off the rails. And this is like the snowball effect of the goofiness. And I think it was unintended goofiness. Like, Fury is always a serious character. Fury is always, like, the boss. Where it was just, like, he was... It just felt so weird. They tried to make him, like, comical. 
and like give him all of these funny scenes where he was just like not happy-go-lucky, but very out of his character. And for us to have been seeing him in so many movies over such a long period of time, that was one of the things in Captain Marvel that really bothered me the most. The other thing was there would just be random moments where she would be like, woohoo! Or like something random where it's just like, bro, why are you so happy? Like, I don't know. It really irritated <laughs> so me. So I think with the Fury thing, I think their purpose of that was to kind of show where he came from because like you said he he is normally he's the head of uh shield so i think that in the previous or in that movie he was i don't even think they had was shield even a thing i don't even know if shield yes, was it was they were still agents of shield oh okay i didn't know if it was like another i can't remember what it was called or if it was still called the same thing but it was before he had become fury and i think it was really be before he saw anything on that level of like terrestrial like extraterrestrial essentially and i think that i think that's an assumption that the movie leaves us to make and i feel like it also never gets to the point where we see him evolve past the happy oh yeah no nah. go lucky stupid fury that, that would we probably won't see that either Which to be would honest completely pointless yeah, to make him that way that was my issue with it yeah i, I understand know. what they were trying to do it just didn't work for me i didn't it was so it was just so many things about that movie that i just didn't like and I felt like, <laughs> at first, I'm like, maybe I'm just being too hard on this movie. But they had hyped it up so much. And I really, this was one of the movies where normally they'll show like a trailer and they'll show bits and pieces. They might even come out with two or three different trailers. But majority of the stuff that they show in the trailer might not ever even make it into the film. Whereas for this movie, literally almost everything that, has, that was shown in the trailer happened in the movie exactly how it was shown in the trailer if not in sequential order so it was kind of like it was kind of predictable to the point where not only was the script the script was predictable or it was either predictable or all over the place or and then the whole timeline itself in the movie to me was predictable um it was a lot of plot holes that was in that movie that were completely unexplained and i don't know if it was supposed to be something that if you know if i was heavy into the comics that i would understand but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna just try to read a whole bunch of comics ahead of reading them or watching a movie. This is not how I'm, I'm I've, I didn't read the comics, which I haven't read any comic books ever in life. I will not be reading any comics before I go watch a movie. So I think one of the biggest things that Michael brought up after the movie was the simple fact that somehow after she crash landed, there was a black box in the airplane. The Kree people, the leader of the Kree people that they had been fighting all movie randomly gets a hold of this recording that's on the black box. And then all of a sudden they all friends. They ain't got no questions. And it's just everything. They just completely switch sides. Now they helping people. It's just like, what just happened? And it, it, it kind of like, it felt like they skipped like three scenes after that. And then it was just the end of the movie. And I'm like, okay. Why did I just spend all this time and all this money coming to see this early? I really can't tell you. But that just goes to my overall rating of the movie. It was booty. I didn't even necessarily hate the movie. I just think Marvel has to do a better job of making the characters. And it sounds funny to say this because it's like Marvel. But more realistic or more believable. My issue that I have with Captain Marvel being really really strong wasn't the fact that she was really strong it was just like 
it was kind of random for her to be so strong. And even with her being so strong, everybody else was kind of so weak that it really didn't make a difference. Like the people that she was going up against, none of them were significant enough to where we even got to see the full extent of her power. Like I'm sure she can do some amazing things, but we probably won't even get a glimpse of what her abilities can do until we see her go up against uh, Thanos. And my issue with that, even with Avengers Infinity Wars, I told Caleb, I feel like they made a lot of the strong characters in Infinity Wars significantly weaker just to amplify how strong Thanos is. When that was unnecessary because I've actually read some of the comic books and I know how strong and insane Thanos is. Um, and so it just really bothered me, like characters like the Scarlet Witch or even... Um, Who's my aunt? Vision. Yeah. Um, like, they didn't get to do a lot of the things that we know that they can do by seeing them in the comic books. And it just was like, okay. Like, we already knew from the beginning of the movie that he was going to win. But it just was like, they didn't even give the other characters a fighting chance. And I think that's something that Marvel has struggled with, is really finding the balance between having a good uh, superhero or ensemble cast and having an equally yoked villain to where it's like this could really go either way because for me with infinity wars i didn't feel like this could go either way i'm like yeah thanos is clearly going to kill all of them <laughs> i think with that said though they do a pretty good job at like with their fight sequences of people of that magnitude and not although i sequences are fire. i completely agree with the fact that you that you know that you said that they made them weaker and they made they didn't even really make Thanos really strong. They didn't even make him strong, in my opinion. They just made everybody else so weak that he was just... He was the strongest person on the screen when he was there. And the thing that I commend them with, despite the fact that some of that stuff is just like, come on, man, I want to see, see a fight. <laughs> I think that it could be very much mirrored for... What's the name of that movie? Dawn of Justice with Superman. When it was just so much going on on the screen... That you didn't know what was happening. All you know is you just saw explosion here, explosion here, beam here, beam here, and then people find this people is CGI people flying and hitting each other, and then next thing you know, somebody on the ground. This is like I just been watching the fight singles for two minutes. I don't know what happened, who hurt, and then you just see somebody hurt at the end. It's like, oh, okay, that's what happened. DC movies make me feel like I have epilepsy. DC movies make my butt itch. That was extreme. Um... <laughs> So yeah, that was really all I got with Captain Marvel. I'm interested to see how they morph this into more with Endgame. I hope she don't mess this up. And also for the record, I hated Spider-Man Homecoming. Like, can we not? Can, can we not? Because that movie was trash. And everybody like, oh, he the best Spider-Man. Yeah, he's, he's a good actor for Spider-Man. Movie's trash. I think I it's because he's a kid. He's actually a kid. That's fine. I think that's the reason why. That don't why. mean that his script got to be trash. That movie sucks. He had nothing to do with that. I'm blaming him. I'm holding him accountable. Bring oh back God. Andrew Garfield. No. And his depressing. He, he's 39. <laughs> Let me he's look up. To, I'm about to look up his age. He's way too old. Andrew. He Garfield. is about. He is. He is. That dude older. almost 40. He got to be. He's older. For sure. This dude is 35. Then you're disrespectful. He's 40. And that concludes our review on Captain Marvel. <laughs> oh, P.S. If she ruins in game. I'm going to be pissed. How is she ruined Endgame? 
Because I feel like they're going to make her over overly strong. Well, that's what they do with Thanos. So maybe that's the point. This is about to be trash. I'm going to be God. mad because I saw something today that said Endgame is going to be three hours long. It's going to be three hours and like 12 minutes long or something like that. So if I get... I'm going to sit through it though. I'm going to sit through it. Mm-hmm. But if I see... If she... I just hope she don't mess this movie up. I swear. If it's all her fault, I'm going to be so mad. I don't think it would be all her fault. Because her personality as a person is bland. And it came out... It came out in the movie. And she was awkward. And the movie was awkward. Maybe that was it. I think despite the script, her awkwardness came out. And they didn't utilize it. It was kind of boring It was forgettable. It was boring. Until we just started really talking about it, I didn't actually even remember some of the stuff that was happening in the movie. So yeah, that's definitely true. Um, but let's move on to us because I'm excited about us. I loved us, and I've been thinking about us since we saw the movie last Friday. And I'm not talking about us as in me and Caleb. I'm talking about us, Jordan <laughs> Peele's new movie. And let me just start off with a precursor for all of y'all that was mad because oh, not enough people uh, died or there wasn't enough blood. I ain't hear nobody say that. Or this, uh, I I saw a bunch of people that actually felt that way. On like Facebook and Instagram and Twitter, but it's not that kind of horror movie. Like it's a suspense thriller. So granted, there was plenty of killing in the movie, but I feel like we really gotta dissect this from kind of like start to finish because it was just so many hidden gems in the movie that I would still want to see it again just to see all of the symbolism and things that I missed. But I did peep the plot twist, at least one of the plot twists, pretty early on, um, and we'll talk about those. Once we kind of get to that portion of the movie. So the movie starts off um, with like a promo about, what is it? The Hands Across America? Yeah. Uh, which was this thing that I actually had no idea was actually That's real. real. I found that out today. Me too. Had no idea that that was, was like, like man, what the heck is this creepy mess? Real charity event. <laughs> Freaking um, Ronald Reagan. Uh, yeah. Uh um, but it was like a real thing where people paid $10 to form this giant, basically hand-holding line across America to end homelessness to say that we're all the same. Intentions sound good, did not work, Mm-mm. neither here nor there. It was some holes in that line. Clearly. I'm pretty sure. Um, Southfield, Detroit, uh, Troy, Rockwell. I mean, <laughs> even outside of that, I think... <laughs> Clearly, our terrain is not, is not equipped. Good. You show me somebody standing in some water. Which is another thing that I like that us did because us had... We getting ahead of ourselves. Oh, my bad. All right. So, we moving on. Um, we're back in like 1986 and I thought that it was really cool the way that they had it set up. So, one of the things that I noticed, and I probably wouldn't have noticed this if it hadn't been for me just seeing the Lost Boys this year... Or was that at the end of last year? Fairly yeah, recently. That was this year. That oh, was this okay. Year. Fairly recently, yeah. So um, they actually shot that same scene with Adelaide when she was a child and she got lost um, at the carnival where they were shooting the Lost Boys. And the way that Jordan Peele had it teed up, her mom actually made a reference about it when they were at the carnival. They were asking what was going on by the carousel. And she was like, oh, they're shooting some movie over there, referencing mm-hmm. the scene where they were shooting the Lost Keeper Boys. Keeper Sutherland. And Keeper Sutherland Keeper Sutherland was on the carousel ride. So That's, I thought that was pretty dope because um, when Adelaide walked to the pier, they actually did a still shot of that portion of where they were theoretically shooting 
uh, that scene for the Lost Boys. So I thought that was cool. Um, and then just the whole situation with like the Thriller t-shirt, the nostalgia, it was real. And also, she was just such an adorable little kid. Um, she had great skin. <laughs> great skin. I leaned over and told Mike, I was like, that little girl got some good skin. Very she funny. looked just like Lupita. Lupita got good skin. You don't think so? It's clean. <laughs> Moving on. Um, <laughs> um, so she goes into the little tunnel of horrors, and we all kind of see from the previews that this is really where it goes bad. On her way into the tunnel, though, she sees a dude who looks like kind of like a drifter with a sign that says Jeremiah 1111. Now, for those of you who are unfamiliar, um, Jeremiah 1111, and we'll read the verse like directly from the King James but Version. While we look this up, I just have to tell you that Jordan Peele did a, a great job with he built up anticipation that we didn't even know that we were, so he built up anticipation for something that we didn't even know we were anticipating. So we knew something was about to happen, but he'll throw in something so random, like the guy holding up a Jeremiah eleven eleven sign that everybody just went. I felt like I saw I picked up my phone. Uh we were on a double date. Cherry picked up her phone. Shout out to Cherry and Jones. Cherry picked up her phone. I saw somebody two or three rows behind or down below us pick up their phone. Everybody was looking like, what the heck does that mean? And I feel like he he draws these reactions from people that you don't really get in movies anymore, in my opinion. Yeah, I think it's a lot that leaves you on the edge of your seat because you're trying to be like aware of everything that's going on. Um, so the verse reads in the King James Version, Therefore, thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will bring evil upon them, which they shall not be able to escape. And though they shall cry unto me, I will not hearken unto them. Meaning... Y'all on y'all own and I ain't coming. So that was just a real cool reference that he threw in there. And then Lupita was amazing. Um, as both Adelaide and Red, who was her doppelganger, um, and kind of the leader of this tether rebellion. So we about to get the Japanese spoilers. My first spoiler is the son Jason was a tether. I think the son Jason was a tether because when they first pull up to the lake house towards the beginning of the movie, after we go through the whole flashback sequence of when Adelaide was a child, she got snatched up or choked out, whatever, whatever. The stuff that we see on the previews that's happening with Lupita's character. They get to the lake house and he's looking for his trick lighter, which sits on his finger. And when he snaps his finger, it basically makes a flame appear like a lighter. But he can't remember where he put it. And once he finds it, he can't remember how to get it to make it work. But once the mirror versions of them or the tether versions of them break into the house, the tether version has a burnt up face and he knows how to make it work. And so my instant thought when they first showed Jason and he found it and he couldn't figure out why it wasn't working. I'm like, oh, the tether must have had it. And clearly he didn't use all the lighter fluid and that's why his face was burnt up. But that was just me making speculation off of the previews that I had seen um, with obviously him being mirrored by the little boy who had the burn face. With further, which, what furthered this suspicion for me of him being the tether was he the one who originally points out when they're like, who are you people? He's like, it's us. He was the first one who notices that uh, piece two and then what really really tripped me out was when they get out of the car he realizes that he can control his doppelganger 
However, the way that it's supposed to work is the tether control the real people. That was the whole point of them being created to be the clones to control the people who live above the surface. He could control his doppelganger, though. And so that was just real weird to me, and the movie kind of never really explained it. And then even towards the end of the movie, it's almost like he senses something that's up with Adelaide's character, but then he kind of just shrugs it off. And then even Red's character, she's never really upset by the fact that he is still alive. She never tries to hurt him or harm him. Um, he's actually the only one that's never put in harm's way, really, with the other doppelgangers. And to me, it just made sense based off of those things. And I also noticed, and I was telling Caleb about this in the movie theater, there's a point where he gets locked. Matter of fact, it even makes more sense now. There was a point where he gets locked in a closet and the sister, like the mom tells him not to play in the closet because... Whatever, I done told you not to be playing in that closet. It get he gets locked. The bathroom puts, the door gets locked. He puts a toy in between the door and the like so it doesn't close all the way while he's in there. We see somebody walk past and they kick the toy in the closet so the door locks him inside. He obviously in there going crazy because he locked in the closet. But the boots that locked him in the closet, if I'm remembering correctly, and this part. is where I need to re-see the movie, but instantly, I was like, those boots are a completely different color than the boots that the daughter had on, and the mama wasn't wearing boots at all. So then when they showed the daughter again, she made it a point to say, like, it wasn't her. Like, didn't the same thing happen to you last year? And I feel like when it happened to him last year, that was when he got swapped out with the tethered version of himself. I ain't think that far into it. I think for, to me, this is my perspective on it. Jason was the smartest one out of all of them. I feel like they just made him the, they made him the young OG. Oh, he, nah. He. Too coincidental. I, who know, who, you never know. It's Jordan Peele. You don't know what's in that man's brain. But I thought that they made him the unlikely hero or the unlikely um not hero but i don't know i feel like with suspense thrillers horror because i don't i'm not really big into horror but i went to go see that because it was more of a suspense thriller or um what's the word uh what's the genre that he came up with um a social thriller? yeah like a social thriller um but the most part the person that you that you would think is most unlikely to get it or figure it out despite the fact that we don't know what happened at the end um i think with jason he was put into a very awkward predicament because it's kind of like he i feel like he figured it out at the end and it kind of just left us like dang what what happened because i feel like he knew that wasn't his mama but at the end of the day that was his mama, if you get what I mean. It was so much weird stuff happening around that little boy in the movie. Even when they was at the beach, he went missing. And then when she asked him who my man's was in a drawing, he I don't said know. he didn't know. And then it never came up again. But clearly you knew because who drew this? So if he didn't draw that, did the doppelganger draw it? That's nah. what I'm saying. Like she, It was so many unanswered questions. I feel like she was playing dumb because she knew what was going to happen. Anyway, she knew what was going to happen. Apart from that, though... 
I also know, so on the part where they were at the beach and they were asking him, was he digging like sand tunnels or something? And he was like, no, no. They asked him, was he building sand castles? And he was like, no, I'm making underground tunnels. Like the tunnel. Oh, I missed that. That's what I'm saying. Like there were so many things that he was doing where I'm like, bro, he's a tether. I definitely missed that. He was doing so much random stuff. Or maybe the other tether, the tether was trying to get, I don't know. There, it was a lot what? of weird stuff happening with Jason. And then to piggyback on what Caleb was saying earlier, like about him being an unlikely character who kind of figures it all out, if that is in fact what was happening and he was not a tether. Um, I think that just plays into Jordan Peele's representation of, honestly, the black man in this movie. Because I feel like they didn't have, thank God, stereotypical roles that we see African-Americans, especially African-American men, portray in movies. Something that I pointed out to Caleb as soon as we left the theater was that I liked how Gabe, the husband who was played by Wilson Duke, was the only character who we actually never saw kill anybody on screen. And I felt like that was intentional. He actually did kill, I think, two or three people, but we never actually saw him physically do it. Or it was kind of like... Even the one time where we almost saw him kill his own double, he really didn't kill him. It was more like a happenstance, and he just kind of happened to die. Um, and then the second time, the camera was completely off of him. Um, and he was just like, you know, not really the masculine kind of guy. He was more like, I want to say doofy, but he was just more so like an everyday kind of dude who was just kind of soft and really just trying to fit in and figure it all out. Uh, and that was one of the things that I liked. And then, oh, we got to talk about the whole we're Americans thing. Because that was sprinkled all up in the movie. Yeah. Us, U.S. I still don't really understand where he was trying to go with that. But after I realized that the Hands of America, whatever the thing was called, when I found out that that was real, I'm just like, bruh. For me not to be... I don't, yeah, we weren't even alive during that time. So it's like we are completely removed from that for us to go back. If if you do go back and do research, that's one thing. But to find out the way I did, I was just like, yo, that's crazy because it's, he's taken from real life events. And um, I, I agree that, you know, he did. A, I think he did a phenomenal job with hidden messages Um to piggyback off of the Winston Duke thing, um, I also like the fact that he shined a light on he. I feel like he tried to break um, social norms, where um, even even in the theatrical sense, where you know the men have to be overly dominant, overly dominant, and they make all the decisions and. You she know, straight up told him, like, you done making a decision. Yeah, like, it got to the point where I was like, <laughs> he, his, the stereotype, the stereotype of him being over masculine and dominant and, you know, what I say goes type of mentality was the fault of their family. And it, it spoke to me because it was like, man, that's not just in time of crisis. Like, you can't have a functional family like that let alone a functional marriage like that so i thought that was kind of cool because like that's not how that worked like i think that's and this is just completely off of the movie for a second but it's like that kind of speaks to a whole nother subject that we'll probably wind up getting to sooner or later um where people people misconstrue 
the statement of, oh, well, he the man, he got to lead the family or he run this family or basically just making it seem as if men make all the sole decisions for for everybody in the family or all of the, the responsibility is laid upon the man. And to a certain extent that that's true, but it's not to a fault. Not, I feel like people take that and then just go ignorant with it and act like, you know, the woman just can't say nothing. And I think that's where he was going back, going back to the movie. I think that's where he was going with that. And like Micah said, she got it got to the point where she literally said to him, you don't make the decisions no more. And I think that that was a pivotal point in the movie because it showed that women can essentially make those decisions too survival type decisions and i think that that was important for him to say it through her in the movie and for winston duke to understand that you right that was the that was the bigger takeaway for me like he didn't argue he, he didn't argue like, yeah, okay all right <laughs> please take the wheel um and then also just back to the thing about them being americans so more to the point about the hands across america that was one thing but she actually said we're americans in another portion and it was funny to me because adelaide said maybe like we can escape to mexico when the tether invasion was happening which i thought was hilarious and they actually built a wall the tethers built a wall with their bodies like americans are trying to do uh to basically ban ourselves from mexicans and i think it's also crazy just because americans do what the tethers did in a sense like we steal everybody else's identity everybody else's culture and try to make it seem like it's us like that that it's us like it's really us um and so that was one of the other crazy parts about the whole we're americans thing theme that kind of resonated with me um when so when did you figure out adelaide wasn't really adelaide because um, that happened, y'all. I can't even remember. I might need a second. You could tell when you did. I'm just. I need to think on that one. So I figured it out at the beginning of the movie. She had to go to a therapy session, and her parents were trying to figure out why she wasn't talking. Instantly, I was suspicious because when they got her in the car from the carnival after she had this whole traumatic experience, she wasn't crying. She wasn't upset. She just was sitting there looking in the back seat, listening to them argue. And then when they got her to the therapist, she was just real, real quiet. And as soon as Red, who is Lupita's tether started talking, I said, yeah, that's not, that's not Adelaide. Red is Adelaide. And I'm like, clearly she has to be talking like this because they show us in the previews that the doppelganger of Adelaide seriously choked her out in the House of Mirrors. And I'm like, she probably crushed her vocal cords to the point where she couldn't talk. Also, tethers don't talk. They make noises with grunts and weird noises. Like, none of the other tethers talk except for Red. So I'm like, she probably only knows how to talk because she could talk before she got down there. Or also because, I mean, she... She hasn't used her voice in a really long time. So just between her having her vocal cords possibly crushed or really just never needing to use her actual voice because she was amongst the other tether, I'm like, yeah, that was kind of like the first thing that tipped me off that it was probably her. I'm not even going to lie because at first I'm like, man, what did I think about it? 
and I'm thinking about things in retrospect, but really when I realized it was when she was talking to her in the classroom. And I was sitting there as she as she was talking to her in the classroom. I'm just sitting there like with my mouth open, like she better not tell me what she about to tell me. So then when she went through the whole story of how everything happened and they start showing the flashback, I'm just sitting there like, dog. Cause it's kind of like you almost want to expect it, but the way that it all unfolded was just he did, man, I just can't say it enough. That dude did a great job with showing every part of the story without going in in um, sequential order or chronological order. He jumped around, flashback, flash forward, present day. It was just like, it was, it was sweet. And I think that I was so wrapped up in, because I'm a nerd for how stuff is shot. So I'm watching like, dog, this is beautifully lit. I don't even know, like, this, the sound sound so good right here. The next thing you know, they just drop a bombshell on me, like, what? But even in the point where they were in the classroom, I don't think you knew then either, because... No, I mean, after, while yeah. as she started talking, that was revealed. Like, it wasn't like an immediate thing. That was thing. after she was dead, though. Right. We didn't find out until after right. she had already That's when I found her. out. So then it was like, when Adelaide killed Red, or who we thought was Red, we like, okay, that was weird. Cause she made like this weird noise, like one of the, but ooh, which could be the thing, cause they can't share a soul, but they like tethered in weird ways. Uh, so but do you think she became her? I don't think she became her. I think she broke like the tether between them when mm. she killed her. Well, then you could say the same thing about all the rest of the characters. That was the point. Oh, <laughs> that's why I had the scissors, Boom. baby. Oh, okay, okay. So yeah, um. <laughs> That was that was kind of when I knew. And then I just think, like you said, it was visually amazing, especially the shot where uh, Lupita was coming down the escalator. That was really, really cool. And I also like how they shot the point where they were in the classroom and they had both shots of Lupita. One was a close-up of her as Red, and then the other was her as Adelaide off in the distance. But they were talking to each other. And then just the way that she spoke, the way that she moved. Girl is graceful. I don't know if she took any dance lessons or whatever. You know, Lupita can do no wrong. But she did a phenomenal job, and I just thought that it was really great overall. So, yeah. Captain Marvel wasn't that great. Us was uh, phenomenal. And, yeah, that's kind of my takeaway. Yeah. Captain Marvel, man. Us, I would say go see it twice, but I'm not even going to lie. I'm not going to see that movie again. What? I can't see that movie again. Well, I'll probably go see it again. Yeah, um... Who want to go see us with me? <laughs> Don't put that open invitation out there. We just had a full conversation about weirdos. True. Never Don't mind. none of y'all. This is getting cut. I can't <laughs> Hey, none. Ain't none of y'all coming to invite. No invite now, nutter. Okay. So yeah, that's all we got for y'all this week, people. We'll see y'all again with another episode next week. This has been this life together. Peace. Peace. Bye. These are difficult times. It's winter and the pandemic continues to affect our lives every single day. And because we know this prolonged increased isolation makes it harder to get sober and stay sober, Recovery Centers of America wants you to know that they remain open and ready to help. Recovery Centers of America is a drug and alcohol addiction treatment leader with detoxification and residential treatment centers across the East Coast and Midwest. RCA's expert team of medical professionals will customize a treatment program that works for you to help you overcome your addiction and begin a life in recovery. 
RCA always answers the phone and admits patients 24-7, 365. And because safety is a top priority, COVID-19 protocols, including pre-screening measures and testing, are in place to keep you safe. Don't wait. Call today. Dial 855-605-2655. 855-605-2655. What you doing? Trying on glasses with Zenni's 3D Virtual Try-On. Wait, are those the actual prices? I say get all of them. Seriously, why not, right? Oh, now I want new glasses. Zenni.com. Quality prescription glasses starting at 695 